I was the eighth grade president of Sunset Junior High School. Go Sun Devils. Do they sell bottle rockets anymore? Run. Get off my lawn. <laughs> They're like, Brian, it's okay. You're not in the hood anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I mean you saw. I mean you saw. I cannot predict it. Betting is wrong. Yeah. Generational. Hey, survey says me likey. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. This is our Independence Day celebration, and our guest could not fit the model and mode of America more, in our opinion. It is Jeff Judkins. You own horses. You own trucks. You're a basketball guy. Hoops. Ah. You love this country, Coach. Welcome to our Independence Day celebration. I really do love this country. and I had uh, the lucky fortune to go play in the World Games and represent uh, the United States. And we had a pretty good team. Larry Bird was on that team. And we end up beating Russia for the gold medal. And so I still have that gold medal think about it all the time and how proud I was to be an American. You strike me as a guy that may be into uh, 4th of July and fireworks. You got any big plans for uh, for the 4th tomorrow? Well, I have basketball camp tomorrow. <laughs> well, you guys are enjoying it. Um, we'll, we'll have some time tomorrow night after camp. We're going to probably have a barbecue. And I do like watching fireworks. Uh, I think my mom and dad at a young age took me down to Liberty Park Mm-hmm. Where a lot of fireworks back those days, and I kind of got that bug a little bit. And then I have a son-in-law that used to, I guess, shoot off fireworks. I don't know what, what the right like design, but, like the program, the whole program, and do it. Oh wow! And it was unbelievable how much time it took for him to do that. And so I've kind of have a little bit of that. You know, I kind of like the you know the celebration. It it really is probably one of the only holidays that a coach, basketball coach could enjoy and I now I got camp tomorrow but um it's just it's one of those holidays that you really take advantage of Jeff Judkins with us on BYU Sports Nation it is Independence Week in Studio B and uh like you said the work goes on in fact you are currently searching for some new assistant coaches where do you stand in the hiring process as you said goodbye to Dan Nielsen and Ashley Garfield well you know it's tough to replace people when you've had them for a long time but I'm really excited for Dan and He's wanted to be a head coach, and he's worked hard and done what he needs to do to try to get that position. And there's no doubt in my mind he will do a great job at Utah Valley. Ashley, uh, you know, I had for four years and coached her, and there's nobody that works harder than and really cares about basketball and has a great mind herself. She was just getting to feel real comfortable, and I think she'll be a great asset for Dan. The process at BYU takes a long, long time. It goes through uh, applications and, of course, there's been a lot of great applications. And I go through that, and then I narrow it down, and then it goes through um, other parts of BYU, the HR, and make sure everything is fine. Um, I'm hoping next week to be able to have that completed. It just takes that long with interviews and and everything going on. And, um, you know, it's it's tough. This is probably the hardest part of my job is to call a coach who – really is a great coach and say, I'm sorry, I'm going a different direction because there's so many good coaches. But somebody told me the other day, isn't it nice to have that good of uh, people that have applied that want to go into coaching at BYU? And I, and I look at it and I go, yeah, I guess I really am blessed to really have that. 
One of the things that obviously occupies your time when you're not in the season is recruiting. I'm curious what the response has been from players you've talked to after this season. Obviously, you look at the program as a whole, but a lot of it's recency bias, and they're going to see what you just did most recently. You guys had a really nice season, I mean, a great season, and a really nice run in the NCAA tournament. How was that factored into the recruiting process? There's no question that success in the NCAA and success being on social media makes a difference when you walk into a gym. Um, I never realized how much BYU TV, how many people watch our games until I go away from Utah. And, I mean, referees to fans to players, they all see us on TV. And um, that recognition, I think, really helps us with our program because I really believe this. If we can get a recruit on campus, we have a pretty good shot of getting them, uh, you know, and, and that, that's really what the key is. And so having a young team, I think we're really excited and about the future. But, you know, things can can kind of give you a little bit of wave and you have to be really careful. But my team, we've really focused this summer on, you know, we're not satisfied, you know, and we want to we want to do more. We want to be able to to win a conference and be able to to go to the NCAA tournament and go farther in the tournament. So you, I saw your, one of your things you were saying, what's more important, the red-white game and all that. Football, there's no question. The Utah football game is by far the most important game to them, period. For us, the Utah game is really important because it sets the tone for recruiting in the state. But I can't say that Gonzaga and the conference is not important too. And so it's kind of different in every sport. I think you look at every sport at BYU and – you say, what, what is the most important? There's no question that Utah game, that rivalry game is important. And if people say it isn't, they're crazy because it is. <laughs> You're constantly hearing all the time. So, you know, those are important games. We talked about eight years of West Coast Conference inclusion for BYU Athletics yesterday, and BYU Women's Basketball has had several memorable moments since you joined the WCC, going back to that first conference tournament championship against the aforementioned Gonzaga. Of course, you had that Sweet 16 run in uh, 2014 and what you did last year. So in your opinion, women's basketball specific, what's the top moment since BYU Women's Basketball has been in the West Coast Conference? Um, I would say two games stick out to me. When we got in the league, Gonzaga was undefeated for three straight years. And they came the first year, and they came to BYU. And they had a really good team, and we we beat them by 30. And I think we set the tone for the league that they could be beat. Uh, and that year, of course, we won the tournament. We beat Gonzaga again in the tournament. Um, there's no doubt the sweet – 16 team of what we did and what we accomplished. We we didn't win the tournament, but we had a great season and we, I think, really made the conference strong. Um, and then, of course, there's no question this year beating Gonzaga. Gonzaga, it's the only it's the only team I have not beaten on the road, and it was a big game for us. And to be able to come in and play like we did and win that game was probably the three biggest. You know, I really think we've we've changed the Western Coast with BYU coming in there. Um, the first year we didn't win the all-round sports. We've won it ever since, and we've dominated it. Um, so I think we've made a big difference in this conference. And our conference 
is a very strong conference. We're in the women's basketball. People don't realize we're number seven RPI in the country. Wow! And now with UConn leaving and going the Big East, um, it's going to make it a little bit harder. But we passed the Big East this year, so um, it's. It, it, I think we're you know our our conference is really going up. And then volleyball, as you well know, with what Heather's done, has been amazing. And Jennifer with soccer. I mean. We've really changed this conference, and um, I'm excited for the men's basketball. I think Mark is is really, I think, uh, fired up to really do something in this conference. So should be another great year. One of the other reasons, which, again, there are many as to why you were a great American, is because you're a sports fan, and you follow a lot of different sports. Correct. I wanted to get your opinion on the NBA, and, and specifically Jimmer. Jimmer right now playing in the uh, the NBA Summer League with the Golden State Warriors, and we've talked a lot about whether or not that's a good fit, whether from a from a system perspective or the fact that Golden State needs to fill some roster spots. What do you think about Jimmer and the Golden State Warriors? Do you think there's a chance he could make that roster? There, there's no question. Jimmer, in my opinion, is good enough to play in the league. I think what happens, and it's really sad that this happens sometimes, but I see it over and over. They get a rap, and they never can get rid of that. And his rap when he got in the league is he couldn't guard anybody. Well, there's a lot of guys that can't guard anybody in that league. Truth. Okay? Truth bombs and, from and Jetty. So, and so I don't know. I know right now that the game is being three-point spread out, um, one-on-one kick it. And he's got to get on a team that the offense is around that where he can be able to do it. And hopefully the person that does that penetration – is a person that's not the point guard. Leonard, LeBron James, James Harden, um, maybe Mitchell. I'm not, you know, I mean, people that can get to the basket that aren't strictly point guards, where he can fit. Kind of like I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy in Toronto, the point guard that hit a lot of shots. Lowry, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of that's the kind of guy I think Jimmer could be if he gets in a team like that because. There's no doubt in my mind he shoots as good as anybody, anybody. And if he gets on that team, and it's just, it's the funny, it's just getting that break and getting on that right situation is what makes you sometimes and breaks you. And um, he's so talented. I mean, I still, to this day, I don't know if anybody's had a better senior year than that guy had in college. Incredible. He was the National Player of the Year because of that season. Jimmer's got his own signature shoe based uh, with 361 basketball in China. And uh, your own Shaylee Gonzalez is big into uh, <laughs> sneakers, and she's got she's making her own custom shoes and ordering things. If Jeff Judkins had a signature shoe, what would it be? What would it look like? <laughs> what would be, what would the Juddy look like? The Juddy look like would be comfortable first. <laughs> no, what what it looks like at all? Just comfort. Okay. We're talking second, about a casual shoe here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then something, I guess, sharp. Not like a lot of different. Just a simple sharp. Okay. Shoe. So it probably for me would be, it'd be a pony stripe because that's what I wore. In, that was a big show. Or <laughs> pony striped, simple but really nice, sharp color. You know, high top. High top for oh, yeah. sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, is there somewhere out there where there's a royal blue pony shoe with just a white? Pony stripe. I don't know. If somebody's got that. I will wear it at yes, the game. Yes. I will wear it. <laughs> yes. The Jetty. <laughs> the Jetty. The Jetty one. The Jetty one. The Jetty one. I like that. I like that. But, you know, Shaylee is pretty, uh, 
creative and is, it doesn't surprise me one bit that she does something like that. Yeah, she's a sneakerhead for sure. Yeah, for she sure. is that girl. All right, we're searching the interwebs for the Jetty One. <laughs> See, we can get it. Pony is Pony even still a brand? We'll right find now? that out. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, Nike can do it for me too. I'll do Nike. I, I, I love Nike's logo. Sure. I think it's it's simple, and it, and that's that's how I like things. Uh, a Royal Blue Air Force One high top. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. what I want. Let's yep. go. Jetty, it's great to talk to you. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks ha- for being here. Happy 4th of July. Yes. Yeah, you too. Have fun stadium. Stay in the fire. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're watching the fireworks from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Thanks, Jetty. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. What did you have to say this week? This is the best from the nation. BYU's had some outstanding players in eight years of BYU football independence, and we want to know who the best is. So if you had to pick one guy as the best player of BYU's independence era, who's it going to be? You mentioned this young man on the program yesterday for a different reason. I'm going with Jamal Williams. Uh Uh-huh. That's the person for me. Great pick. Look, indulge me for just a second. I want to read some stats here, okay? Jamal Williams, BYU's career leader in rushing yards at 3,901. In attempts at 726. In 100-yard games, he had 16. And single-game rushing yards at 286. He rushed for over 200 yards three times. 35 career rushing touchdowns. That's number three at BYU. 4,468 all-purpose yards. Fifth at BYU. 36 total touchdowns, fourth at BYU, and 216 points scored. That's number five at BYU among non-kickers. Remember, he was also like the third or fourth string running back when he got here, and because of an injury to Michael Elisa, Jamal Williams got playing time and never looked back. He Coming off Harvey Unga and his performances and being the leading rusher, Jamal Williams comes in with no expectations and leaves BYU as the leading rusher in school history, that all happened during independence. He gets my vote. Oh, and he played in one of the greatest games that we didn't mention. The 55-53 back and forth crazy game between Toledo and Kareem Hunt yes, in a matchup right. of outstanding running And backs. what you brought yesterday up about him, what an unbelievable ambassador for BYU. Yes. yes. Jamal Williams is a great answer. I'm going to go with the defensive guy, Jason, just because... As an offensive player, it's easier to contribute to your team dominating a game. It's harder to win games as a defender. Right. And Kyle Van Noy won <laughs> multiple games, it felt like, by himself. Think about Mississippi. First game of BYU football's independence era. The yep. Cougars offense had nothing going. They could not figure it out in SEC country. Here comes Van Noy. Strip, sack, touchdown. San Diego State. Strip, sack, touchdown. And then a pick six to seal that Rinse game. And repeat, yes. Incredible. And then how about the pick six to open the game against Chucky Keaton and Utah State yep. in Logan when there was some wonder of, oh, man, can BYU, like Utah State's pretty good. Chucky Keaton's a great quarterback. Can they go into Logan and win this game? Pick six, first play from scrimmage of the game. Kyle Van Noy changed the tenor of several games as a defender. And he just so happened to have been a second-round pick into the NFL draft, and now he's won multiple Super, multiple Bowl Super Bowls. Like it's been a great decade for Kyle Van Noy. I think it's very interesting. I assume a lot of people will say Taysom Hill, and I'm not saying that's not the right answer either. But neither one of us said. It. I think that's really interesting. Probably because of just 
the unexpected injuries yeah. that he had to go through. Yeah, probably. Really tough. He's certainly in the mix. There's no question. Oh, my goodness, yes. Our question of the day. We want to know what you think. Who's the best player of BYU football's independence era? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At justice underscore Robbins underscore double zero answers on Instagram. If we aren't including NFL careers, I'd give it to Cody Hoffman. He would catch anything you threw at him, and he was a ton of fun to watch. BYU's all-time career-leading receiver, touchdown grabber. Yeah, he's he did some great things. Yeah. That's what I love about this topic is there's a lot of different answers, and you can argue that everybody that comes up with a different answer is right. That's what's great. At Twiggy or Stone adds this on Twitter, Taysom Hill. He really filled up the stat sheet, and you remember where you were for his amazing plays. If he stayed healthy, we might be having a different conversation about BYU football today. And that, to me, is yep. the X factor. If he stayed healthy. The most iconic player in BYU football independence is Taysom Hill. Without question. Just the fact that injury after injury, most people would say that that's it. I, I just can't continue to do this. But each time he came back and he was ready to go. And now look at him. He's in the NFL and other teams in the NFL are trying to find their version of Taysom Hill. It's unbelievable. I know. I know it. Taysom Hill. In 16 Power 5 games, 16 Power 5 starts, 8 and 8. You know what Ty Detmer was, Jason, against Power 5 teams in starts? Drop some knowledge. 3, 9, and 1. Okay? Mm. Taysom Hill started 16 games against Power 5 squads and won 8 of them. Max Hall has the best record of any BYU quarterback against Power 5 teams at 6 and 3. Taysom Hill, 8 and 8. So, yeah, he's another correct answer. I feel like there are several answers, and they're all right. It just depends on what resonates with you. Yesterday marked eight years since BYU joined the West Coast Conference. In that time, been a lot of moments and accomplishments that really stand out all across BYU athletics. Spencer, what's the greatest one singular moment in BYU's eight years of West Coast Conference inclusion. Now, this is tough because you can't say, like, one program, what one program has done in yes. the West Coast Conference. One moment. Or one team did in one season. One moment. For me, I'm going to rewind to the year 2014. The BYU women's volleyball team goes on this magical run in the NCAA tournament with the Olmstead tournament stash, Jen Hampson and Alexa Gray. <laughs> it was incredible. They stole the BYU Sports Nation attention away from the BYU football team at the Miami Beach Bowl. Hey, we were in Miami at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel celebrating the week of bowl festivities and Where's the football team? They're together in a conference yeah. room that they had specifically requested, watching the BYU women's volleyball team take on Texas in the NCAA Final Four and then beat them and get to the national championship. That was incredible. They were the first and only unseeded team in the history of the NCAA volleyball tournament to get all the way to a Final Four and then get to a national championship. We have a piece of the floor with us. As far as like a singular moment, that one is incredible. I mean, how close has BYU been to winning a national championship 
That's the closest, right? Right. That's that, so to me, that is the answer. I don't know what do you have. Uh, I'm going to go with basketball and. Again, since we're talking about singular moment, I know there may be some people like, well, it's it's winning three in a row at Gonzaga. Got to be one. It's got to be. It's got to be one. And certainly, a case can be made for the first uh-huh. of the three. Uh-huh. I'm actually going with the third of the three. Okay, the one where Gonzaga was the number one team in the country. BYU by beating Gonzaga for a third straight time at the kennel, which is just unbelievable taking down the number one team for the first time in program history. That was such a huge victory, and it was, it was on senior night. It was the last game of the season for, for Gonzaga. That was a 79-71 win. And speaking of Eric Mika, who we mentioned a few moments ago, 29 points and 11 rebounds in that game. That's probably the game that told him, I think I want to go probably, pro. Probably. I mean, he was dominating. But you're you're taking down the number one team in college basketball. That is always going to get attention. It led SportsCenter. Again, first time you ever beat a number one team in program history. For me, that's the one that stands out to me for one singular moment. This was the Dewey defeats Truman moment because <laughs> Gonzaga oh, yeah. printed thousands of newspapers that said 30 and 0. Do we still have that in here or is it up it's in the upstairs. office? It's, it's up in, in our office. office and BYU <laughs> made it 29 and dope. Okay? <laughs> oh, the headlines were so fantastic the next day. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong with this. Like there are no wrong answers. But I will say this, if I had to pick one of the Gonzaga wins, mine would be the first, and here's why. Because it got BYU into the NCAA tournament. It's true, yes, no. And that was the last year BYU's been in the big dance. So if I had to pick one win, as satisfying as it was to ruin Gonzaga's senior night and their perfect season, and they were number one, the win over number three Gonzaga in 2015 got BYU into the NCAA tournament for the last time. What is the greatest singular moment in BYU's eight years of West Coast Conference inclusion? Maybe some people think it's Yoli Childs deciding that he's coming back to BYU basketball. See how that uh, ultimately plays out. Time to hear from you, BYU Sports Nation, and go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. On Instagram, jade.hisk answers... The BYU men's basketball 2014-2015 season. Conference runner-up, Tyler Haas, top scorer, leading scorer all-time program history. Yep. Kyle Collins with triple-double record, came in 2015-16, but still, he was on that team. He said that that was the ice cream-making season, and that's the last taste of the dance that we've had. So, great stuff. Who's the number one villain of BYU sports in 2019? That is our Twitter and social media, Instagram, whatever you want to chime in on Facebook. That's the social media question. At Justice underscore Robbins W says, without a doubt, Utah. They are like BYU's Thanos. <laughs> Since the Avengers won this year, spoiler alert, maybe BYU will. Hashtag BYUSN. Like it. This I like year. it. Okay, I let's like keep it. it rolling. Who or maybe what is the number one villain of BYU sports in 2019? In on Facebook, I can't believe we did not discuss this answer. Lori Wood, thanks for bringing it to the forefront. She says, injuries. Is that the number one villain for BYU sports in 2019? It has been in the past, but will it be this year? It's been since, since we've went independent. Since BYU has been independent, that's 
injuries to the quarterback depth, specifically. Injuries, depth. That's that's been the issue. That man, I feel ashamed for not saying that. Thank you. Who who said this, Lori? Thank Wood. you, Lori. Lori, I Wood. appreciate you. Join the conversation twenty four seven on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and the Grammy. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with that. Just unbelievable bit of uh, golden opinion from Brian Logan. Hey, man, don't judge. Just pray. That's what we do. Let's get some more Brian Logan opinion in Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal. No Deal. All right. This is how we do it. We throw out a current trending idea or topic within BYU sports, and we decide if it's a big deal or no deal. Brian, number one, Sione Takitaki found out his Madden ratings from the Cleveland Browns punter, no less, but found out and they recorded him receiving these numbers. His speed, an 85, everything out of 100. Jumping, 88 out of 100. Toughness, 86 out of 100. Big deal, no deal. Sione Takitaki's Madden ratings. It's a big deal for me, man. This is a big deal for me. I mean, as as a player, when you you know get these ratings and stuff, obviously it's like, well, whatever. You you kind of just brush it off or whatnot. But at the end of the day, like deep down in you, you there, you, you nobody, everybody has little insecurities, you know. And I would, as a as a linebacker and what I've done in my career. I would be a little bit upset about the toughness part. I at least would want to be in the 90s. I understand that the speed and the jumping, but it's like a DB. You could put anything, you know, that you want. I could be in the 50s and everything else, but my speed, please give me at least 90s. <laughs> I'll, take a, I'll take a 90. I'll take a 90.1. Hey, an 85 know. for a linebacker? It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Sione ran well, and they go largely off of these – Combine oh my, numbers. Yeah. They have to, yeah. right? There's nothing else. To, how, else yeah. you, how else are you going to do it? Yeah, you have to. He had a great combine and got himself drafted by the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah. And if you watch Sione's face when he's finding out this information, there is almost like this joy that gets, it's, <laughs> it's unexpected joy. Like, wow, that's actually kind of pretty good. And I retweeted this yesterday. We'll put this out on the BYU Sports Nation account as well from the Cleveland Browns. If you want to see this, go to Twitter and check out this video. But to me, it's a big deal because I know what Sione has gone through to yeah, get to this get point. Yeah, it is. I love to watch him succeed because it has been a long and at times tumultuous journey. Yeah, so a big deal for me. Next, all right, Moroni Laulupututo, Brian, doing drills in the yard with the fam around, taking video of it. Here's a guy that blew out his knee in the Washington game again, mm-hmm. and has had so many different. Injuries that he's dealt with at BYU. Now he is on the road to recovery once again, trying to get healthy and ready for game number one. To see him do drills this quickly after such a significant injury, big deal or no deal? It's it's definitely a big deal, man. I mean, anytime that you can have uh, another weapon, anytime that you can have uh, depth, you can add to to the roster. Like 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 I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I believe that that injuries have been the biggest issue or biggest villain, you know, since BYU's been independent. You you playing these tough schedules, 
you know, these these massive schools, you know, every guy that you face, like I like I remember, you know, playing every P five school, all all of the do all of the corners were bigger than our receivers. And I was like, man, this doesn't make this doesn't make any sense, right? So I mean, you you are going toe to toe, pound to pound for pound, and so to have a weapon that can be used, but then also have some more depth, I think it's a huge deal. Yeah, Moroni saying in the tweet, twenty two hours ago, to think I couldn't even walk seven months ago, mm-hmm. not quite there yet, but we getting close. Hashtag finding out why. Oh, it's yes, of course this is a big deal because one. Moroni has gone through so much, and so again, it's I'm just happy to see him getting better. But two, BYU needs him, Brian. Yeah, BYU needs him to do his thing. He was one of BYU's best blockers, and that's the thing. Whatever he's thrown, no pun intended, he kind of just excels. Okay, yeah. wide receiver, tight end, blocker. He's done well enough. BYU needs him. This is a big deal that he is uh, ahead of schedule. All right, Great. on to the next. BYU Sports Nation Karma collides in the Women's World Cup final this weekend, Jason. Or Brian, I should say. Oh, man. I do, uh, okay. Hold on, man. I, I look know. way better than Jason. That's true. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I love you, Jason. <laughs> okay, sorry. I was just looking at a picture of Jason Shepard. <laughs> the Netherlands, we drew out of a hat. No, Brian. you guys didn't do that. We drew the Netherlands out of a hat. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No. Do you remember what happened last year with Croatia? I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. drew that one out of a hat, too. Wow. Croatia went to the men's World Cup final. The Netherlands now in the women's World Cup final. The Netherlands had never gotten past the round of eight, Brian. Actually, you know what? You know what, man? I don't even know why I made that reaction. I know the karma is real. I know okay. it's real. I believe in it. We, I believe it. We obviously root for America. USA. Yeah. Okay? And we said that. Okay, They have the karma because we're Americans and they're America. America first. America but first. we need another team just to see, just That's to crazy. test, again, the power of the karma. And yeah. wouldn't you know, the Netherlands and the United States are playing in the Women's World Cup final. I'm trying to tell you guys, man, we need to get a shirt made with all of the karma given and the events that took place or the stats that took place after that. An infomercial, right? We need to do a 30-minute yeah. commercial on the, uh, I, I guess... Uh, the karma. The karma. I mean, yeah, yeah, the let's, karma. No, but... let's not do it. Let's do a documentary, man. A documentary, <laughs> dude. We take back all the clips when we had the athletes on, this, the work. I mean, it's yes, big. No, it's the, big. It's big. Specifically, it's big the success and the, the most, the unbelievable fashion of the karma is right. what I'm getting at. Like, it... It's a little weird. Like, this is cray-cray right here. Amazingly. That's cray. That's cray. Okay? Yeah. The Netherlands, yeah. Yeah. it's obviously a big deal, is yes. it not? It's a huge deal. Yeah. So big that we should just make a documentary. Who had sure. Croatia in the Men's World Cup final? Nobody. Or the Netherlands playing the United States in the Women's World Cup final? The Nobody. two teams we gave the karma to? <laughs> really? They've never gone past the round of eight? Come on. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Writer from The Athletic, Chris Vanini, covering college football specifically with us today. Chris, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Chris, it is July 1st, and here we are yet again talking about teams moving conferences, specifically UConn leaving the American to go back to the Big East in all sports but football. And now 
a team like BYU is all of a sudden in the conversation again. What do you think about talking about potential conference realignment in July of 2019 and not further down the road when all these TV contracts come up? Right. I mean, like five, six years from now is when we expected to have more realignment talk when a lot of these Power 5 TV contracts come up. But when it comes to UConn, I, I can't say I was really surprised. that There had been rumblings for quite a while that UConn wasn't happy. They came out publicly upset with the TV deal that the, the conference announced in the spring. Uh, so there was a lot of tension going on, and when, when the news finally happened, it was more like, all right, that, that kind of makes sense. Whether this is going to kick off a, a, a mini round of, of realignment, I'm, I'm not thinking that's the case, but, you know, uh, anything's possible, and, and UConn is a big enough name that, that it's certainly drawing a lot of attention right now. Why was UConn upset about that TV deal? Because from what we understand, the Athletic is feeling pretty good about 7 or $8 million per team moving forward. Yeah, it wasn't a money thing. It was uh, it was about basketball, really. Uh, men's and women's basketball plays a lot of games on SNY, a local station up in the Northeast. And this deal put all of those games on ESPN, ESPN Plus. It's, you know, that stuff behind the paywall was a real sticking point for a lot of UConn fans. And uh, Michael Resco was saying that there was talk about sublicensing some of those games to SNY. Um, he was. Saying, but he was saying ESPN, ESPN Plus is still going to be a net positive, but UConn was not happy about that. They, they said that publicly, and in the end, they decided to make a, a move that was really all about, uh, I mean, at least primarily driven by basketball. Chris, whenever there is mention of conference realignment or maybe there's a spot open in another conference, BYU's name inevitably is brought up. One of the biggest reasons, obviously, is because football is currently independent. Hypothetically speaking, who would get more out of an American BYU partnership, the conference themselves or the BYU Cougars? I think it depends on the year, but overall, I think the American would probably get more out of it. It would it would it would extend the conferences' reach out west into another time zones away, so they could get some later kickoffs as well. Uh, it would it would bring obviously BYU is an incredibly large fan base. It would bring all of that into the league. It's it's kind of what Navy has done, and, and I was talking to some Navy folks last week, and, and they have really much liked joining the American because it it, it brings more attention from the conference onto Navy. But BYU is in a position where uh, it's obviously a, a national brand, a, a strong history, that I think the American would get more out of it than BYU. But I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I, I think there would be benefits for BYU as well. The Athletics' Chris Vanini with us on BYU Sports Nation. We've been asking a number of your professional writing colleagues about uh, whether or not BYU can get more attention, if you will, from the nation by staying independent and winning big games against these big-name teams they seemingly play week after week, especially this season, or if they go to the American and, let's say, one time in the next five years they win the conference and position themselves to potentially be in a New Year's Six bowl game. What's going to get BYU more attention as far as the nation is considered? Well, this is kind of what I was, was, was alluding to before. I, I, and I, I look at Navy, and, and Kenny Matalolo from Navy told me uh, last week, he said, you know, when, when we were an independent, the only people who cared about our game were, were our fans and whoever we were playing. And it, week to week it changed. But ever since they joined the American, you've got Houston fans who are interested in Navy. You've got Memphis fans, UCF fans. Everybody's paying attention to Navy. And I, I think BYU would 
get more attention that way because when you have those big games as an independent, um, it certainly brings a lot of attention. But week to week, you don't necessarily have team, fans, outside fans, following what you're doing every week and, and, and seeing where you are and continuing to pay attention to you. And, and if BYU were to join a conference, they would get more attention from outside of their fan base on the league or on the team. For those not in a P5 conference, you're always talking about how do we get into a P5 conference? How do we become part of that? The other option is that a G5 conference somehow makes it as a P5 conference and makes it a P6 conference. That's something that Mike Oresco talks a lot about, really believes that the American is poised to be that P6 conference. How likely do you think that is? Not, not very. I mean, I understand why Mike pushed it. I think, it's, I think it has helped the, the brand of the league. I think it's helped even more that the teams have won and, and gotten to those New Year's Six games and won them. But you're not a P6 until you get a, an automatic berth into a New Year's Six Bowl from your league specifically. And the, the, the college football playoff contract, runs until 2026 unless they decide to change it and expand it. Um, but, but outside of that, uh, it's hard to see that happening right now. I mean, the Americans' new TV deal is far and away better than the other group of five TV deals at, at, at average of $7 million a year, but it's still well below the Power Five League. So it's kind of in – the American, to me, is kind of in a middle tier between the Power Five and the rest of the group of five, which is not a bad spot to be. It's been a, a very successful league since it started in 2013. Uh, but getting to an official P6 doesn't happen until you get an automatic berth, and that's far down the road. Chris Vanini, college football insider for The Athletic, with us on BYU Sports Nation. In your professional opinion, Chris, does BYU find itself in a better position to get an invite to a Power 5 conference by remaining independent and hoping things get crazy in five or six years again when those TV deals start to get renegotiated? Or... Is it in their best interest to join a conference, whether it be the American or another G5 conference, try and make a splash and then hope that uh, in the chaos in five years or what we assume will be chaos, that maybe they get picked up then? It's, that's a tough call. I mean, I, I think on one hand you're right. If they join the American and start dominating the league, that'll certainly help their chances of moving up. But if they go and they're – in the middle of the pack or they're contending every year, maybe not. If you're an independent, I think you've got a little bit more uh, cachet and, and I, you know, you won't have an exit fee. It'll be a lot less messy if you decide to join. So it's, it's a bit of a risk. I think if they do something like joining the American, if the end goal is to get to power five, uh, I think staying independent where they are is maybe the safer call. Mike Oresco was very quick to say, you know, everyone thinks we have to add a 12th member to the American. It's like we don't necessarily look at it that way. If that's the way it works out, great, but we're perfectly fine staying at 11 teams. What do you think happens with the American? Do you think they stay at 11, or do you think when it's all said and done, a 12th team is added to the conference? Well, I think more than anything, this is going to come down to what they do – Football-wise, can, can another team help or at least keep the status quo of the football television deal? I think BYU would help it. I think not many other teams would. That's one reason. If you go to 12, you're going to dilute the, the amount of money spread out to everybody because you're probably going to lower that deal because ESPN is 
expected to kind of renegotiate a little bit. It's not expected to tweak very much, uh, but it is expected to change a little bit. And I, I don't think they add a 12 team unless it's somebody who is going to increase that television deal for everybody else. Chris, I know you're a sports enthusiast that covers a ton of things. Um, I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan, so can you say something to speak peace to my mind about the future of the Baltimore Orioles? <laughs> I can, you know what? I'm not following baseball very much right now. I, can, I, I cannot speak much to the Orioles. I am, a, I am from Detroit. I'm a Detroit Tigers fan, and we are in an equally, uh, ter- <laughs> equally terrible position right now with a lot of Miguel Cabrera contracts still to go. So uh, I, I know the feeling. All right, man. Hang tough. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Chris, so much for the time. All right. Thanks for having me. Chris Vanini on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. How about that? He says stay independent for a change. And I love how you're trying to find some sort of solace for your Baltimore Orioles. It's so bad. (laughs) It's so bad right now. That said, Jason, for the first time in Major League Baseball history, The Orioles pulled off something that has never been done in all of the thousands of games played. They won back-to-back games by a score of 13 to nothing against a winning team in the Cleveland Indians. 13 to nothing back-to-back. That has never been done ever back-to-back in Major League Baseball history. Good for you. This horrible Orioles team (laughs) did that. That's why we play the games. That's why you play the games. That's why you play the game. You never know. The only true reality television people. (laughs) Cannot predict it. Betting is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that you're a Baltimore Orioles fan and a Cincinnati Bengals fan. What other teams that don't win can you support? (laughs) You got to stay true, man. You got to stay true. Also, what's your thing with orange? I don't know. It it just happens to be that orange and black are the colors of those two teams. Okay. No relation. That just worked out. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's play What's the Chance? BYU Sports Nation asks, What's the Chance? Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Let's have fun with numbers and percentages, but we can't do that without our resident mathematician, Ben Bagley. Ben, join us, won't you? Yeah, we'll start where, right where you guys were talking about, with Eric Mika and putting numbers on your arguments. What's the chance that Eric Mika makes an NBA roster this season? You want to go first, yeah, Jason? I'll, I'll go first. I'll say 5%. I, I, I think it's going to be very tough um, for for him to, to make a roster right now. Um, yeah, I, I would say 5%. I mean, look, getting... If, if we're we're saying NBA roster, like on, are we talking G League? Is that considered NBA? Not okay. a G League. Yeah, I just, yeah, I I would say five percent. I'll give him a chance because I mean, to the uh, Colonel James, you know, like you can never have enough big men. That's true. And if you come in, you have a strong showing. You, you never know. But I, I would say right now, it's probably about five percent. I'd say it's slim. If Eric Mika wants to stay stateside and play in the G League. He can. Oh, absolutely. Like, there will be an opportunity for him to play in the G League. So, if that counted as the NBA, then I would say close to 100% if he wanted yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. That's but why I wanted clarification. he can go to Europe and make a lot more money. And if he has a good NBA Summer League, he can increase his value to those European teams who absolutely will be watching. As far as making an NBA roster this season, after all the free agency madness yesterday and the money that's flying around, <sighs> coming back from 
Germany and trying to get into the NBA that way is going to be really hard. It's going to be a long haul for Eric Mika back into the NBA through the G League if he wants to go that route. I'd say like 2% chance he makes an NBA roster this season. It just The numbers just don't work out right now unless he does something extraordinary in the summer league. And even then, that might not land him on a roster. Yeah. Next. And, and no, the G League does not count as making an NBA roster. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> that's a no there. That's an obvious no. Number two, let's same, same topic, different player. What's the chance Jimmer for debt makes the Warriors, not an NBA roster, but the Warriors roster this season? You take this one first. All right, I'm going to go with Jimmer's number. It's way too high, but I want to do that. 32%. <laughs> okay? Jake, here's what it's going to take. He's got to make like three or four three-pointers a game in the NBA Summer League and be a 180 guy. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, a 180 shooter is 90% from the free throw line, 50% from the field, and 40% from the three-point line. Okay? If Jimmer Fredette is a 180 guy in the NBA Summer League with the Golden State Warriors, I give him a 32% chance <laughs> to make the Golden State roster this season. How do you like those numbers? <laughs> I, I quickly uh, looked to see if number 32 had been retired uh, for Golden State. I'm still looking. It doesn't appear that it's there because I was going to say, well, he can't have his number, you know, 32. Look, there. I was going to say 30%, but there's no chance I can be less positive about Jimmer than you. So I will say 33% that he has a chance. Like, like it's, it's the most intriguing – it's the most intriguing of the three because there is a need. He does fit a skill set that they like in players. Uh-huh. It's just whether or not it, it happens for him right now. You got to so make sure 33%. Through the blue goggles, Jimmer Fredette is a 180 shooter. He's shooting 90% from the free throw blue line, 50% from the field, alert. and 40% from the three point line. Look, and when you're opening up a new arena. You bring in Jimmer. If he's going to make a splash, no pun intended, splash bro, then he's got to do something like that. Maybe not as crazy as 20 and 10 for Eric Mika, but like if he can do what we all think and believe he can do and shoot the ball and make shots, then yeah, sure, why not? I, that, you think that would get the Golden State management attention? He was a 180 shooter. Bob Myers paying attention, yes. (laughs) Number three. All right, before we get to number three, I'm going to do something I've always wanted to do, which is throw to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Today's stat, guys, BYU is tied for third nationally in returning starters in 2019 with 17 returnees. Wow. Keeping that in mind, I ask you this. What's the chance that that experience will make a difference in game one versus Utah? That's a tough one. Look, having experience is always a good thing, I, I, I would imagine. I, I guess maybe you can't say 100% of the time, but I mean, I like the fact that you have that many returners coming back. It means they've been in that position before. So what's the chance it makes a difference? I'll say 90%. Okay, yeah, yeah, it makes a difference. I'm having a hard time coming up with a number as to how do you, I mean, how do you quantify the percentage of a difference that it will make to have experience in this game? Like, 
I, I feel it's the point of this device <laughs> is to come up with a way to fifty percent, <laughs> Jason. I know how much you love that answer. Fifty percent. What and a cop out. Fifty percent <laughs> chance it makes a difference. Yeah, it, it will make a difference. Again, I don't know how to quantify that per se, but I'll tell you this much: BYU fans. No matter where I go, whether I'm in Nashville or I just got back from Las Vegas yesterday visiting some family down there, they all ask me the same thing. What kind of a shot does BYU really have against Utah? And I give them these three or four facts that are positive BYU. One, it's the opening game of the season. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, Utah has not performed well in the opening game of the season. And they bring their two best players back off of significant injuries. There's something mental that needs to happen before those guys are all the way back in. They got to get tackled. They got to get back in the flow. And they're working with a new-ish offensive coordinator. It is an advantage that BYU gets to play Utah in game number one because the Utes are going to be really good this year. They are going to be really good. So I would rather BYU play them first than any other week of the year. Look, okay. your percentage was in the 50s. Yes. You know what else is in the 50s? Oh, no. Oh, Hit no. it. The countdown to the Utes. 59 days. 59 days away. You know We're who in the wore, 50s. You know who wore number 59 at BYU, Jason? Um, I do, actually. Kyle Whittingham. Well, well, well. BYU-Utah discussion 59 days away. Number 59, Kyle Whittingham, a linebacker at Brigham from 1978 to 1981 in some of those glory years. <laughs> 58 days. 58 days away. Shout out to Chris Hoke, defensive tackle for BYU in 1994, 1997 to 2000. Played 11 seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Won two Super Bowl championships. Yeah. I think he's deserving of the number 58. I, uh, I got to see his Super Bowl ring. He came in for one of the football media days, like probably two years ago. I got to see his Super Bowl ring. It's unbelievable. 57. 57 days wow. away. Shout out to number 57, Justin Enna, linebacker from 1997 to 2002. 55 days. 55 days away wait. from BYU, Utah. I can't wait, man. I almost got into a fight with this older lady at a fireworks show earlier this week at the park because <laughs> she had a Utah hoodie on. I had my BYU hoodie on. Oh, I thought it was going to be some noise ordinance. Oh, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. I had to get separated, actually. Somebody's like, the kids are here, B, the kids. Shout out to number 55, Oren Olsen, who played center from 1972 to 1975, played in the NFL for Kansas City as well, 55 days away. Stay up to date with The Countdown. Every weekday on BYU Sports Nation, on BYU TV, and BYU Radio. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week, here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Since becoming an independent, there have been several games that you could probably qualify as the best. That's why it was kind of fun to to think back on all of these games. Certainly, even just last year, the win at Wisconsin, Hail Mary against Nebraska. You beat Texas twice. The the Poinsettia Bowl against San Diego State, where Kyle Vanoy said, you know what? I'm going to take this game over Mm -hmm. and single-handedly dominated the Aztecs. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Yeah, there's a lot to think about. So with that in mind, what is, in your opinion, the best game for BYU in independence? Yeah, this is really tough, and you bring up some great ones. Yeah, most recently last year against Wisconsin. I think beating Georgia Tech twice. Mm. The, the first Georgia Tech win where BYU just ran them off the rails in Atlanta a week after losing at Notre Dame in heartbreaking fashion. 
But in terms of best game, like just best overall game from an entertainment perspective, probably my first real road trip as the BYU football sideline reporter for Countdown to Kickoff. Rewind to 2013 at the home of the Houston Texans against the Houston Cougars. Taysom Hill throws for over 400 (laughs) yards, and he runs for over 100 yards. Meanwhile, his backfield mate, Jamal Williams, has one of his best games as a Cougar to date, and BYU wins dramatically with a last-second back-shoulder touchdown throw from Taysom Hill too. Can can you name the guy that caught the touchdown? Um, I'm blanking on it. Um, it was uh, coaches at Weber State now. Skyler. Oh, Skyler Ridley. There That's you right. Go. Yes. Skyler yes. Ridley. Back shoulder touchdown throw the- to Skyler Ridley, and then Alani Fua seals the game with an interception. Yep. To rob John Children of O'Corn as a freshman quarterback at Houston, and they win by one point, 47 46. BYU had 681 total yards of offense. That was incredible. Yeah, the offense on that day was awesome. Just back and forth and back and so forth. So fun. Yeah, look, for me, I, I came very, very close for many reasons going with the win at Nebraska. I mean, you had Taysom, the injury with him, the and you bring in Tanner Mangum. Been home from a mission for a month. Then obviously the ending, the Hail Mary winning at. But ultimately, I went for the game at Texas in 2014. And maybe you said one of the biggest, you saw this in person. I saw this game in person. So Uh maybe that's why it is. When I think of the greatest games, immediately this is the one that comes to my mind every single time. Look, it's the reason that I went with that one has probably the most iconic play maybe mm-hmm. of, of with the leap of, in, of independence. This is a team that had lost to BYU in Provo the year before and was talking it up about wanting revenge. And BYU goes in there and dominates in Austin. That's the one for me. Plus, with that win, it moved BYU to 2-0 and and into the top 25 at number 25 going into the next week. They matter. They matter a lot. Oh, I love this conversation. We've heard so much over the last few days and few weeks, for that matter, about max contracts and super max contracts with all of these NBA stars. Kevin Durant's going to Brooklyn. He's joining Kyrie Irving. The Jazz are loading up with Mike Conley. Where's Kawhi Leonard going after helping the Toronto Raptors win their first NBA Finals championship? A lot of people think it's going to be the Lakers, and we're going to have another super team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard. Well, let's take this back to the BYU realm. And we know you can't pay players. It's the NCAA. But if you were to offer a Supermax deal, whatever that might yeah, include. However that in, yeah, whatever that means. Within NCAA regulations. Yes. If you were to offer a Supermax deal to any one current BYU athlete across all of the teams, who's it going to be and why? This was a very difficult question for me to come up with an answer because there are so many athletes that you that deserve this and and you could go with here here's what I kind of had a criteria for like when you think of a supermax contract in 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 relation to what the NBA is it's and, and in here in for this matter as well it's someone certainly who's earned it that's got you you have to have earned it it's usually your best player and you need them desperately to be successful okay so though that's kind of the criteria and again that fits so many I decided to go with Kairos Tonga Oh, wow. On, on the BYU football team. Big look, boy. Look, he fits that criteria. He's the defense's best player, in my opinion. Maybe the best player 
on the team has the best NFL prospects. He, he is a surefire NFL player whenever he decides to go. I would love to be able to keep him right here in Provo yeah. in BYU Blue as long as I possibly can. Offer him a Supermax so he doesn't leave after his junior season. <laughs> he is so important to what BYU does. Mostly, if for no other reason than the opposition has to account for him on every play. You cannot not know where Kairos Tonga is. He's a block eater. He's just unbelievable. So for me, if I'm going to give the Supermax to one guy, I'm giving it to Kairos Tonga. Hey, lay out your three criteria again. Uh, Someone who's earned it. Mm -hmm. You you have to have earned it. Mm -hmm. Usually your best player. Okay. And they are crucial to your success. Okay. So tell me, does Yoli Childs hit all three of those, Jason? Yes, he does, and that's one of the ones I was also considering. Yoli Childs is my recipient of the contract Supermax, whatever you want to call it, deal (laughs) at BYU because I want to reward the guy for doing the hard thing and coming back. This is the Paul George situation with Oklahoma City a while back when everybody thought, oh, Paul George is going to the Knicks or he's going to the Lakers. He's going to go somewhere and win a championship. Yoli Childs came back when he didn't have to and when he said he wasn't going to. So I'm going to reward his uh, loyalty, if you will, to BYU with a Supermax deal because all of a sudden now we're talking about BYU being an NCAA tournament team and just maybe they can compete with Gonzaga. And, oh, now they're better than St. Mary's. Before he decided to come back, what was the conversation? Ah, Toulson's a nice addition. TJ Haas is a nice player. Mark Pope, good energy. But the expectation is BYU, just get to the NIT, have some sort of progress compared to last season when you didn't get there. When Yoli Childs came back overnight. It's a game changer. Overnight, it was BYU's an NCAA tournament. You're right. Yep. Just like that. Supermax contract to that guy because all of a sudden he takes your team into a next level. True story. This is weird. The Golden State Warriors are going to retire Kevin Durant's number 35. After three years. He won two championships. Yes. I get it. Yes. But then I think there's this idea of, man, we, we kind of are responsible Our for bad. <laughs> rupturing his Achilles. So maybe we should send him out with a retired jersey. Look, I, I understand. It's, it's not like, a, like going to the Hall of Fame. or Like every each individual organization has their... They come up with whatever criteria. The league doesn't, to my knowledge, the league has no input on, on like criteria for retiring a, a number or anything like that. So I think it's up to each individual team and organization as to what their own criteria is and how they do it. So I guess if they want to do it, it's certainly within their power. But it just, the guy's been there three years, and, and it kind of felt like it ended bad. So it's He's weird. still playing. He's still playing. Like, if the Warriors want to do this later, like, hey, thanks, Kevin Durant, for the three years you gave us and helped us win two NBA championships. Like, okay, I get that. Now? Like, they they want to announce that now? The timing of it just seems super weird. Okay, so let's take this to to BYU. Which BYU athlete Mm -hmm. that currently does not have their jersey retired, Mm -hmm. which BYU athlete do you think deserves to have their jersey retired. Okay, you want to talk about strict ramifications. Okay, BYU, I think you have to be an All-American, um, and it's got to be like, I don't know if it has to be consensus, but like you've got to be like a, a first or second team All-American. You obviously have to graduate. You probably need to yes. be a member of the BYU Hall of Fame. Like there, there are all these things, and I think 10 years or something has to pass. 
Like there, there's like this set amount of time that has to pass before you do. I don't know how long it is, but there are some exact measures. Jerem Jordan, I wish he were here because I think he has uh, an idea of the more specifics of those measures. So perhaps Jerem, if you're listening, you can tweet those in. It's an uh, hour. It's an hour earlier in Portland. He's not. Up. The point is, it's hard to get your jersey retired at BYU. I mean, Jim McMahon, like it. I felt like the heavens and earth had to combine with yeah, the help he had of to get Tom his, Homo yes, had to get his degree to make that yeah. happen. But right now, Jason, if I had to pick somebody that I feel like is deserving, that I feel like represents the school, that has been such a beacon and uh, a pillar in a very unique way, albeit, is Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, I think, deserves to have his number 21 retired at BYU because of what he has meant to the university. And he's not your typical BYU person. Mm -hmm. He's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from Fontana, California. Came here as a 16-year-old kid. Which is crazy. And his mom and his entire family, like, embraced the university. Like, it could, they could not be more pro-BYU. And just, they've been such a good beacon for the university in a unique way. Jamal has gone on. He's stayed loyal to BYU. He's talked about his experiences here. I don't know. I really like what he's meant to the university. And he had to leave, and he still came back like, and became the school's all-time leading rusher. For me, I know it's too early. Yeah. He graduated, got his degree. Jamal Williams deserves like that, that his number retired. I like that one. Mine's probably a little more obvious than, than Jamal, but... And, and I don't know where Jimmer stands in terms of his degree. I, I, I don't know if he ended up getting his degree. He couldn't even go to class for crying yeah, out Yeah, so I, I don't know where that stands. But, but Jimmer Fredette, I mean, number 32 at BYU. That will has, happen. I mean, that's got to be retired. That I, will it's, happen. It's, it's Jimmer, and, and it's by a mile. <laughs> yeah. It's Jimmer and everybody else. Yeah, by a mile, Jimmer. Yeah, it's going to happen. He will. Again, he seriously could not go to class because of his popularity. You remember our conversation yesterday with what's the chance, and you went 32%. Uh-huh. I went 33%. Uh-huh. Jimmer wore 33 Yes, he did. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, Golden State, retire Jimmer's number 33, please, after one NBA summer yeah, league. exactly. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Hear what the coaches. Athletes and experts have to say, here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let us now welcome in a third member on the desk, a friend of the program, longtime BYU football savant, Micah Simon, who is fresh back from New York. Micah, welcome to the show. Thank you. First time in the studio. This is the really? first time you've been in the studio on the show? First time. Because we've, we've talked to you, I feel like, 25 million times. It was always at the facility, practice field, first time here. What, so. do, you, what do you think of Studio B now that you're here in person? It's nice. I usually was just in the back, like, watching my friends. <laughs> but this is, this, is, uh, this is the real deal. So this will be your first time to sign the flag at the end of the interview, yeah, then. Yeah. We're, got, we're getting the Sharpie ready for you. Let's Look do it. We'll Let's do care, it. We'll take care of that at the end of the interview. Let's I mentioned to you during the break training camp and i call it training camp because everybody calls it football fall camp but it's not the fall it's july it's in the summer so it's we're just gonna call it training camp but training camp opens for BYU football this month goes through your mind when i say that it comes uh, came up quick i mean i felt like uh it was just 100 days away from the game and now you know we're at 58 <laughs> so it's flying by it's flying by but uh i'm excited and this uh this team's excited also well, we know 
part of what you've done so far this summer. We'll get into that. What else have you done? Have you been able to do anything fun? Have you been able to get away? What, what's what's the, the summer, even though I know you don't have a ton of time, what, what have you been able to do? Uh, so far, I haven't been able to get out besides, you know, we'll, we'll talk about New York, but uh this week, I'm actually going to go to California and see uh, see my man Fred Warner. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen him. So, Is Troy going with you? Is this just like a Micah Fred thing? No, this is a Micah Fred thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Fred will actually be back in town um, the following week. So then, you know, the three amigos will be back together. Okay, well, kind of, it has to be kind of be a bachelor thing, right? I mean, Troy's married. Yeah, that's <laughs> he's married. It's a little different now. The, the dynamics are different. It the is dynamics different. are different. Okay, you just returned from New York, and uh, we're hanging out the Harlem Jets and Kalani Satake's More to Life Foundation. I think people have kind of an idea of of what goes into this, but now that you've been around it for a few years, for those that aren't familiar with what Kalani's trying to do, what is the More to Life Foundation, and why did he go to New York? Yeah. Um... So I guess I can first start off with kind of why it's the name Mortal Life. It's uh, Coach Coach Kalani wanted to create something that was for these kids to for them to have a, another opinion on on life, another opinion on their future. You know, you know, so many kids when you're when you're younger, it's oh, I want to be in the in the NFL, I want to play in the NBA, and you you know, it's nothing wrong to have those dreams and aspirations, but there's also more life than than sports. So that's kind of what where the name came from. And then why New York is uh actually because of coach Lavelle Edwards when uh after he retired, you know, last game beat Utah, him and uh his wife served a mission in mm-hmm. in New York in that Harlem area. So whenever he uh when he passed away, Kalani wanted to do something to kind of continue that legacy and continue what he what he did up there. So that's why we're we're mainly in in Harlem right now. It's awesome to to follow this, seeing all the pictures. And this is something that's been going on now for a couple of, of, of years now. This year, though, you took on a, a bigger role with the, this trip. What were your responsibilities and what was your role this year? Yeah, I mean, I've this is my third year I've been on the trip and I've helped out each year. Um, but this year, I think since since I've been on the trip multiple times, Kalani was just kind of like, hey, you know, you know the drill, you know, do your thing. Uh so working with him and working with the other coaches and, uh, you know, executive director of the foundation, Dwayne Busby, we just kind of, you know, put a plan together for uh, for the kids to have the most fun and for our players and coaches to have fun also. Um, so, it was, yeah, myself and uh, Troy Warner, were, we were kind of the two student leaders. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of communicated with all the players, all the coaches with what their assignments were. Because um, at the Harlem Jets, we kind of have a rotation of 10 stations and it's – it's not so much football drills. It's more of just building kind of connections with these kids and uh, kind of having something that will stick with them for, you know, as long as they can remember. And then we kind of did the same type of thing at the Sojourner Truth School, which we're partnered with. Um, and their principal and guidance counselor are both amazing and doing great things at that school. So we just kind of did the same thing there and just, uh, you know, tried our tried our best to just give those kids a, a fun time, especially it was their last week of school. So Oh, man. They, they, they loved seeing us there. <laughs> what kind of activities are involved in this when you talk about the 10 different stations? So, yeah, some of the – we only had – one real football station which was just like a speed and space kind of deal. The kids, we couldn't get rid of that one. They they loved that one. Um, but other than that, we had like some dodgeball, uh, some cornhole. Uh, we built um, some service kits for, for a hospital. Um, 
we had a goal setting uh, station where we kind of worked on one word goals and uh, something that you can live by each and every day. Um, so those kind of the things we were dealing with. And then uh, at the school, we uh, the the main focus was the one word goal. And then uh, throughout the year, we've uh, sent videos to the to the each class each position group had a had a class uh, classroom. So we would send videos to them, challenging them for perfect attendance, uh, you know, turning in all their homework, things like that. And we rewarded them at us with an assembly. We had like, you know, Nike gift cards. Oh, fantastic. Of, That's you awesome. Know, shirts. I know some of the people have seen like the Defend Harlem shirts, uh, the Built Not Born shirts, so things it. like that. You know, I, I don't need to tell you this, but having an experience like this, this stuff stays with you forever. And as you mentioned, you've been doing this now for a couple of years. Is there a, a moment or is there a story or something that has stayed with you, whether it happened just this past week or over the last couple of years? Is there, is there a moment that you'll remember from these? Yeah. I, you know, there's really like kind of three things that come to mind from the past three years I've been there. Uh, I guess the first thing is just going whenever I go back each year, you know, I recognize kids and they recognize me. And that's just, that that's crazy. You know, we see these kids once a year, but they're like, Hey, it's Micah. Hey, it's Troy. It's, you know, Kyrus, you know, things like that. So that's, that's, that's an amazing thing to see. And then, um, the first year, so we cater lunch for the kids and, uh, we were just like, you know, what should we get them? So we just decided on Chick-fil-A and, uh, they saw, they saw us unloading it off the truck and then the kids went crazy. They were just <laughs> like, man, I always wanted Chick-fil-A. I couldn't have it. Da da da. You know, just for whatever reason. Yeah. So like just small things like that. You're just like, wow, you know, you, you might take things for granted. And I guess the last thing that just kind of always sits with me and even, uh, even coach Kalani, we were both standing together while this happened. And, uh, it was the first year a kid had got his, his box of lunch and, uh, went through the gate and was like sharing it with his mom. Oh, like, you know, through the gate. And you just, you know, those are things you just kind of, you know, that's everyday things for us, mm. but you just learn things from them that it kind of touches you and like getting emotional. Oh <laughs> but, no, I get it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That is emotional. But yeah, just things like that just kind of, it makes the trip worthwhile. It makes, you know, you know, every time, you know, the summer comes comes around, everybody on the team's like, hell, what can I do to get on the trip? And, you know, we wish we could take all 100, you know, 20 guys. You just, but well, we can't. So, so yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Micah Simon with us. Uh, I'm, this, is, this has been a great interview thus far. And uh, the impression that I'm getting from this is as much as it benefits the kids and their families from talking with you and with Kalani and everybody that's made this trip, I feel like it, almost makes more of a lasting impression on you. And it's almost in a way more helpful to you than it is to the group of the kids. Yeah. You can, you can ask so many guys who've been on the trip, you know, we've learned so much from them, just how they, you know, go about their everyday life and what they have to do. Um, so just learning from them just kind of creates that other perspective. Um, and just kind of makes, makes you know that, uh, that there are people out there that kind of, you know, might have a little more difficult than you, but they're they're smiling every day and they're they're going to work every day doing what they have to do. So that's just kind of, you know, we all have problems, but you know, mine are we're never as big as those. You know, one of the things that when you see when you see the pictures, and I, and I've thought this every year that I've seen it, it it's so cool. And people driving by probably like, wait, what, what's going on? Like all this, you know, in New York, you know, someplace that's really far away from Utah. But you've got this huge group of kids 
with BYU football coaches and players and decked out in BYU gear. I mean, that's, it's just a cool sight that maybe you don't necessarily think you would ever see in Harlem, New York. Exactly. It's, uh, it's funny how you say that, you know, where the field, there's just kind of gate that goes around the field. And uh, we're there for about three to four hours. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, kind of hour by hour, you just see like more people just kind of <laughs> show up and they're just like watching and they're just like, okay, what is this? And then... This past year, we you know we stepped up our game. We had a Ben and Jerry's truck, ice cream <laughs> truck that pulled up. So there's just people from the street like coming in to get ice cream, and it's you know we we prepared for that. You know we we had enough to make sure we could just try to serve everybody. Um, so just it's it's fun to to see that. Oh, fantastic stuff, Micah Simon, BYU senior wide receiver, with us on BYU Sports Nation. When you talk about something like this, football definitely feels secondary, but I can't help but think. Is there a way we can get the Harlem Jets to Amherst, Massachusetts to watch you guys play against UMass? Because that, I think that would be quite a sight. I, I don't know if it's possible. That just crossed my mind. Like, can we get those kids? Because I know they're huge BYU fans now. And it's so random being in Harlem, New York, rooting for the Provo, Utah team. But, man, what a, what a cool thing. Yeah, we, uh, we actually talked with one of their coaches just you know seeing if we could have tickets you know ready for at least you know some of the guys that could be able to make it because it would be great for us to see them you know see them again and them to see us you know in action oh fantastic micah thanks for coming in man oh yeah i appreciate you we'll be talking football plenty plenty uh more when we get up uh, closer to training camp or whatnot um let's get the uh the marker we we need your signature it's been too long anywhere you want you sign it Micah Simon signing the Sailor Coog flag. The vintage logo is the specific name for this. Yes, take your time. Pick your spot. (laughs) It'll be up there forever. (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. And now, my friends, if you cast your minds back to about a month ago when the men dominated in the NCAA championships, 10,000 meters at nationals. Of course, Clayton Young is your national champion. You may recall what can only be described as some of the greatest cheering known to men. The man behind the mayhem is track and field director of operations, Isaac Wood. And we wanted to get to know a little bit more about Isaac and what fuels his fire, his overall passion for life. You might be surprised. You might be intrigued. And you'll probably be a little bit scared a few times as you watch this segment. Lauren McLean, take us between the lines with Isaac Wood. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. After that amazing video went viral of you screaming at the track and field meet. Everyone wants to know who is Isaac Wood. I'm the director of operations for track and field and cross country BYU. I kind of just had this, you know, unique raising where track and field and running is kind of what we know and what we do. So here I am. What led up to that type of reaction specifically in that moment? I mean, we finished first, third, and fourth, um, almost about as well as that race could have gone. You know, I think I just kind of blacked out and <laughs> lost my mind and, and didn't really care who was around me or what was happening. I just kind of got so excited. And... Yes! 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 I bet they absolutely loved 
hearing you on the side. Have they said anything to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, usually after races, some of the some of the athletes will come up to me. They 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 would be like, you know, I didn't hear anyone the entire race, but you. What was your reaction to all the the national attention you got after that <laughs> that video went viral? Um, it was a little embarrassing, maybe slightly. Just you know, um, I was I never thought my me screaming would 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 cause hundreds of thousands of people to want to look at that. Are there any other scenarios in life that cause you to have that type of reaction? Well, I can get excited about just about anything. When I was younger, I didn't find the joy in recycling as I do now, and that gets me really excited. Yes! I'm really passionate about safety and the safety of others. The last thing I'd ever want is for something bad happen to someone else, so I get really excited when I know that they are safe. Yes! Isaac, how did you get in here? Chivalry is not dead, and it will not die with me. I've been inspired by the chain smokers to celebrate a selfie in song form, and I will celebrate it in screaming form. You know, we're not supposed to judge, but I judge people who do not drink water. When I get a nice eight ounce glass of cold, refreshing water, nothing excites me more. One of my very favorite passions is watching people wash their hands and knowing that they are clean. Well, I love how much passion you have about just, you know, the ordinary things of everyday life. And thanks for joining us on Between the Lines. <laughs> He's one in a million, people. Oh, that was great. I'm going to assume yeah. that uh, that scene uh, in the restroom did not take place during business hours. Um, well, <laughs> well, actually, it did. So th- there were some people that were kind of like, is everything okay out Security, in the hall? Security the was running upstairs <laughs> to find out what was happening. Okay. <laughs> Isaac Wood. Oh, boy. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is time that we split hairs and play Would You Rather. It's Would You Rather on BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Ben Bagley, it wouldn't be a 4th of July holiday week celebration without you in the mix somehow, so join us, my friend. Well, we hadn't done Would You Rather for a while, so I figured I'd put you guys in the torture chamber a little okay. bit. Well, yeah. it's nice that you, you don't have the top button buttoned up again. That was weird. Well, that, that's not a polo thing. It's just a button-up thing. <laughs> you, there, there, there's rules. Jerem just goes all out. You can't go all out on it. It's an occasional thing for Ben Bagley. Okay, it's, it's fine. It's, does, does, does the moment fit? Okay. <laughs> All right, let's start here, guys. Let's start here. Would you rather play two games versus Notre Dame in Vegas okay. or one here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Ooh. This, this, isn't even, this isn't even difficult. This is like a no-brainer. You get an opportunity to get Notre Dame on your home field, that, that trumps 
any multiple games with them. You get them, especially because we thought it would have already happened by now. So if you get an opportunity to have them commit to coming to Provo, you take that every day of the week except Sunday. Yeah, if BYU didn't already have really difficult schedules moving forward, then I would say probably the two games against Notre Dame. But they're already so loaded up with national powerhouses and college football brands that I'll take the one game against Notre Dame in 2022 or 2024 in Provo. Repay. BYU had to play in South Bend twice. Like if they want to announce multiple games in the future at neutral sites, fine. BYU's playing at Soldier Field in Chicago or in Indianapolis against Notre Dame in a de facto home game for the Irish. Great. And then they come back and play in Vegas for a few games. All right. That's not going to happen, but... In for the Get purpose them in of this, yes. one game in Provo, 2022 or 2024, all the way. Next. Well, the real question about that is, does the new home of my Las Vegas Raiders become <laughs> Lavelle Edwards South like Sam Boyd Stadium? Uh, uh, well, we'll find out because BYU is going to play a few games down there. <laughs> we can hope. All right. Question number two. Would you rather have one more year of a healthy Taysom Hill or one more year of Kyle Vanoy? Okay, I know I picked Kyle Van Noy as the best player in independence, and that's based on what he did. Facts. But the idea of what Taysom Hill could do, given the right offensive scheme, mm-hmm. let's say he stays healthy for all of 2015, no question. I would take one more year if it was a guaranteed healthy year for Taysom Hill in the initial offense he ran under Robert and I. I would go that direction. And I think if he stays healthy in 2015, or if they run the same offense, that uh, Taysom Hill ran for his first three years in 2016 when Ty Detmer came in. BYU wins at least 11 games that season. Uh, Taysom Hill all the way for me. Yeah, uh, I, I hate to answer this because like, I would love to have both, but in, an, in one doesn't slight the other by taking the other. But it, yeah, Taysom Hill, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think he would flourish in the offense we're going to see that Zach Wilson is going to run this year. I think he'd be fantastic. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Taysom Hill. To be able to have that type of talent back for another season, yeah. Generational. Survey, hey, survey says, me likey. Next. <laughs> Next one. Would you rather hamburgers or hot dogs on your 4th of July barbecue? Oh, for me, it's hot dogs. It, it's when I think of the 4th of July, I think of hot dogs and fireworks, mm-hmm. okay? that That's what I think about. I love hamburgers, but if you only had hot dogs, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I would agree with you that I think it's probably when you think of 4th of July food, you think barbecue, obviously, but I think you probably do go towards the hot dogs. Between the two, though, I'll always choose a hamburger, so I guess I would uh, I would go hamburger. What? Is it Nathan's famous hamburger eating contest oh, on the 4th of July? Don't even get me started. I watched that 30 for 30 last night. I'm still a little nauseous. That's why you didn't pick hot dogs, <laughs> is because you made that decision to look at that last no, night. No, I, lo- I love hot dogs. I love I love hot dogs, but I, I will choose a hamburger if, if given the option first. July 4th will always be about hot dogs, unless and until Nathan's makes it the hot dog eating, or sorry, the hamburger eating contest. It's a hot dog eating contest on July 4th. It's tradition. I choose to enjoy my food. Not eat for competition. <laughs> Last one. Would you rather sparklers or firecrackers? Ooh. Oh, you got to go firecrackers. There's something about the boom. Just before 10 o'clock, right? Yeah. Plus, sparklers, I don't know. Have they gotten weaker? Like, they don't seem to be as bright. They don't seem to sparkle as long. 
I'm just, I'm, I'm not sparkler guy either. Like I would not be at a parade with sparklers. I like to see my kids with the sparklers, you know, because they get kind of a kick out of it. And it's one of the safer fireworks, although it burns, I think, at like 420 degrees. The safer fireworks, it's shooting sparks in their face. When did sparklers (laughs) become like the kid thing, you know? Yeah, Yeah. I don't don't know how exactly safe it is. So it's it's a cute image. I like it for kids, but it also kind of freaks me out. Um, but if we take kids out of it, then I'm going to leave the kids out firecrackers and bottle rockets all day, every yeah, day, agreed. just before 10 o'clock. Now that I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to go. You can't, you can't go with the sparklers now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you don't want your kid's hands to burn off. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. I understand it. Do you have the, the tub of water so oh, you can yeah. immediately dump oh, everything yeah. in? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so old. Ah, when we moved, I think we lost our big tub. I think we got to go buy one. <laughs> That reminds me. Fourth of July problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We're working. While most of you are still off, we're working because we love you. Also working today with us and stepping out of his comfort zone is Mark Durant. BYU basketball radio analyst, former Cougar Hoopster, joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Mark, thank you for giving us your time so generously once again. Well, I always have time for you, and happy fourth weekend to everybody. And uh, what a treat to be on with Brian. I mean, he's that's way better than Jerem or <laughs> Jason. You know what? I think that all the time, but I just, you know, it's, it doesn't make sense for me to say it out loud. So I'm just happy you did. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right, Mark, uh, let, let's start with uh, the Independence Weekend. I know you're a big guy, big food guy, big backyard guy. How was the Independence Day celebration, and was there anything special at the Durant home? Man, I love this holiday, and uh, it's, it's just a great time to be together with my family. I played a little golf, which I love, and uh, then we went down to Provo. We have a tradition of going to Two Jacks Pizza on Center Street, and then to the little fair, the festival thing they've got there, and uh, and then we went to Toy Story 4, and I mean, what a day, just spending with my my wife and kids, and it was just uh, glorious, and I think that's the best way to celebrate this great freedom of country, is to do things that uh, people have uh, worked so hard to, to allow us to do, and it was just a wonderful time. Could not have said it better myself. It is fantastic that we get to do this. And, yes, Toy Story 4, Mark. Now, because we discuss movies often on this program, aside from sports, what's your very quick review of Toy Story 4? Because there have been some very, very contrasting opinions that I've seen in the media. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. They're just the uh, magicians uh, at, at Pixar and what they do in that franchise is so good. And plus, you got a Canadian daredevil named Duke Kaboom that is <laughs> it's it, it's Greg Rebell's new name for right now. <laughs> it, it, and uh, that that alone and and is is enough to get you to go to the, no. But I I loved it. It's sweet. It's tender. And uh, you know I can't have enough to- Toy Story movies. So. Um... Mark, let me ask you this question. I'm going to go ahead and say this because I just want um, the insecurities just to crumble immediately uh, so you don't feel any, any pressure. Um, <laughs> I cried. I watched, I watched it with my son. I, I cried. <laughs> um, I remember after Toy Story 3 came out for the first time, and we had just lost to 
um, you, to Florida State, 2010. Okay. okay. And so I got to play it off because I was I, I had a shoulder injury, right? So everybody thought I was like, man, my pain, my shoulder. I, but I cried, you know, when Andy gave his toys. I cried at this one too. Did you cry? <laughs> uh. Well, I'm a lot tougher than you, so I don't know that <laughs> I cried, but yeah, but it, it certainly touches my heart. And, uh, you know, I, I love that. And my just sitting next to my little 10-year-old daughter and listen to her laugh and watch that, I mean, that that's what makes me cry. It's just a special thing. Anyway, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think this has to do much with BYU sports. But no, that was a, it doesn't it's a at special, all. It's a special thing, and, uh, you know, there's so much bad in the world. Why not sit, sit and enjoy some, uh, a little good? So I, it was nice. Mark Durant with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about some uh, tears that may have been shed over the early departure from NBA Summer League basketball from Jimmer Fredette, which was unexpected. And I was telling Brian and those listening on the show today, I, I was in my office on Wednesday, and uh, I turn on the TV. I'm waiting for Jimmer's third game, and, He's nowhere to be found. He's not on the bench. He's not on the baseline. He's not behind the bench. Got a little concerned. Then to find out that he's just done in the NBA Summer League. What was your reaction to finding out that Jimmer was done, Mark? And what does this mean? Well, I was surprised. But, uh, I mean, at, at this, and listen, there's no one in, in the history of basketball that has been more of a pro NBA Jimmer guy than me. And I'm convinced that if he could, he could have found the right situation, he could have uh, thrived and, and uh, been a lot of fun to watch. But it's just not going to happen for Jimmer in the NBA, in my view, at this point. The people have made their decisions about him. He doesn't fit the, the model NBA player that you can kind of plug in, and this is what you do. You have to, in order to use him the right way, you have to really think differently and take some risks. And, and I just don't know that the NBA is a place that will do that anymore. And so I think it's best for him uh, to play somewhere. I mean, it's like going to the zoo for me, watching him in the NBA, and I see the bald eagle there, and he's stuck in the cage, and he's magnificent and majestic, and I, and I, you know, I love everything about him, but I want to see him flying over the Alaskan wilderness. You know, I, to me, that's for Jimmer. I, I just want to see him where he can play and do Jimmer stuff, and whether it's China or Europe or whatever. Uh, and I know it's tough for him to be in China, but I think this he probably does have some opportunities in Europe, which would be a little bit better fit to have your family there. I heard you guys talking about that, and that's a tough thing. But I think Europe is a lot better than China as far as that goes. So if he can find the right fit like Brandon Davies has in, in Europe and where he can spread his wings and do his thing, I just want to see Jimmer be Jimmer and have fun on the court and put up 50 a night. And it's just, I mean, that's so much fun for me to watch. And I'm sad it's not in the NBA, but I think he needs to find a place where he can do that. That's the best analogy ever. I just want to take a moment and, and, and say thank you for that. I, pre- See, I, I told you that's that. why I like Brian yeah. better than Jerem. Jerem never compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so so with, with that being said, um, do you think – Jimmer had the revelation of okay, this you know I've, I've done this before. I've I've been here recently in the past, and just this time right now, I can see clearly that it's just not going to happen. Or do you think it was more of the you know other um, you know opportunities that came knocking that led him to the the decision? Well, I have no doubt that he's got other opportunities and and he'll be fine. But I, I don't know. I, I don't really buy that that excuse i think it was more of the former where he goes there and and, and, you know it's just back to more of the same guys don't want to give him the ball and you know it's not a great uh probably a team environment and it's hard you know summer league's different too and everybody's trying to make their splash and in summer league 
teams are more focused on their guys, their draft picks, whether it's second round or whatever, guys. They want to see those guys, and it's hard to break into that. And I think all of that probably combined, and Jimmer's like, what am I doing here? This is a kind of a waste of time for me. Why risk anything? Uh, let's go explore some other options. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation being a veteran coming into summer league trying to break in with some of these guys that – uh, they're, they're, I mean, rightly so. They're all about, I want to show what I can do in this setting. This is my chance. And who's this guy coming in from China or wherever? This, you know, it, it, it's a hard situation. And he probably just thought, this is going nowhere. Why waste my time with this? Let's move on to something that would be more beneficial and, and not risk any injury. Mark Durant with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking NBA Summer League, Jimmer Fredette specifically. And now I want to get your opinion on Eric Mika, who – kind of burst onto the scene in one of his early games with the Sacramento Kings, had 14 points, 13 rebounds, a big block. He's still very young, and he most recently was playing in Germany before that Italy. He's a guy that left BYU early. Do you see at any point Eric Mika playing a game in the National Basketball Association? Uh, well, my honest opinion is is probably not, just because of what I, again, said about Jimmer, it's just such a tough thing to come from Europe and work your way back in. Uh, it, it's it's such an uphill climb. It's it's getting a little easier because Europe European leagues are much better now than they were. Uh, so you can you can see a scenario where that could happen. The problem again with Eric is he doesn't fit that NBA mold. I mean, you look at these guys, you stand next to them on the court. And the athleticism and the, the jumping and the speed, uh, it's, it's amazing how good they are. They are so good in the NBA. And it's a different style of game now, too. Eric Mika would have a much better chance in the 90s when I played because he's a big, strong, muscle, big guy, and he'll just knock you over and get to the hoop. That, that's really not the game anymore. If if you're Eric, if you're six ten, six eleven, and you can't shoot a three, you you don't you're not going to see the floor. Right. Uh, you've got to be able to stretch. And, and Eric's not a real vertical player where he can do something. I mean, he's a back you down, knock you over, score at the rim type of guy. And and even if he's able to develop a little bit of a shot, which I'm sure he works on, there's just so many guys his size that can shoot and run the floor. And and again. This is not a knock on Eric. He's one of the all-time greats. He's a great player, uh, and he'll have a great career. But what I'm saying is the NBA is so different now, and they have, they have the checklist of, you know, has he got this, has he got this, has he got this. And if you're not checking everything on that list, unless you do something really, really good, you have a specialized skill, that, that can sometimes get you in. But if you're not hitting those checklists, all of them, uh, you're you're going to be in Europe, which is fine. I mean, he's living a great life over there, playing great basketball. And you can see in the summer leagues, he's clearly good enough to play in the NBA. It's just, will he get that opportunity? And does he meet all the things that teams want? If there's only one or two spots here, and it's so hard to break into that. It's, it's just going to be an uphill climb. Not that he can't play in the NBA. It's just that it's tough to get that opportunity. So, so Mark, you, you, um, you know, brought up, you know, well, got my wheels turning a lot, and and I always see from a football standpoint, 
a correlation with how many guys are getting drafted or going to the next level NFL and sticking on rosters um, with the, the correlation of the success of the team that they came from, right? So Alabama, Clemson, those are going to have a lot of guys in the NFL that stick, you know, make an impact. And obviously you look at their record. Um, is, is there a, a similar correlation with, with BYU as far as, you know, a lot of these guys, you have Jimmer, um, you know, Mika, Elijah Bryant, um, that, you know, don't maybe have the talent uh, to make it to the next level. And so, you know, there's a correlation with uh, the, the last couple of seasons and, and the record and, and the struggles. Absolutely. I mean, if you're a successful player, with the, if, if Eric Meek is coming off of Duke, he's just automatically assumed uh, to, to be able to play in the NBA. Uh, now, whether or not he can, uh, you know, that, that'll be a process. But, but BYU players need to take an extra step before they get to that. They need to show that they even uh, belong at, uh, in the conversation. Can, uh, and whereas a lot of other players from better programs, it's just assumed that they are. So they've got to really prove themselves just to get to that first level. And most BYU guys are not. Uh, again, checking off the list, they, they don't have the athleticism. One guy I would say that, that does check off that is a guy like Brandon Davies, and he did play in the NBA for a couple of years because he physically has all of those attributes, and I could conceivably see a way for him back, but now he's playing in the top league in Europe and making good money. So, I mean, I mean he's in a nice spot. What, but what I'm saying is when you come from BYU, there's a uh, – a perception that athletically you're not good enough to compete. And when your team is not making the NCAA tournament and doing all those things that some of these other players are coming from schools that are, you have to then prove yourself right off the bat. And that's tough. Like I said, this is all about opportunities. And, and a lot of NBA teams just won't even bother with you because there's plenty of other guys that they can look at that meet those criteria. So it's frustrating, but the way to do that is uh, – is win games and 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 it would be nice if some of these guys would stay around a little bit longer like Yoli did. I mean that's a, that was huge news and that can change the whole cycle. You know what I'm saying? If if Yoli stays and now they make the NCAA tournament, win a game or two, and you've got this great core back, and then you don't have to meet that first hurdle. You're already mm-hmm. running the race, and then you can then it's not as tough. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling on about it, but. It's it's a frustrating, tough situation, but hopefully that can change in the future with guys making decisions like Yoli did. All right, Mark, we're wrapping up here, but I do want to get uh, quickly your opinion on this final question. Does Yoli Childs coming back for his senior season at BYU improve his shot to make the NBA? Absolutely it does because uh, I think the, the the way to help him – is one, I think Coach Pope said, I'm going to help you develop an NBA game, and Coach Pope played in the NBA and can help him. And so he'll get better as a player and more ready for the NBA. Number two, because he's back, the team's much better, and if you can beat up, beat Gonzaga and or get to the NCAA tournament, win a game or two, then you're on the national stage. People know about you. You're one of the best centers in the West, and, and you'll get a better chance now i don't know if, how much the how much uh, better the odds are him but he'll at least get a better chance people know who he is he maybe get invited to some combines because he came back and otherwise he's going to europe or the d-league and it's like i've talked about it's so hard to get back in the nba once you're there if you can start higher and get a chance right off the bat 
teams will work with you and if you're a draft pick they'll want to they'll want to help you they'll they'll work to get you in summer league and, and and getting you the ball in summer league and then and they know who you are and if there's an injury they'll bring you in i mean that's the way into the nba in my opinion and i think that the yoli made a smart decision if his goal is to play in the nba he made the right decision to come back to byu Mark, great to talk with you as always. Great insights. Uh, I wish you many bald eagle uh, viewing ventures over the next uh, few days in summer. And uh, why not have a Toy Story Marathon as well? Hey, I love you guys. You do a great job. Thanks, uh, Spencer and Brian. Send my love to Jeremy and Jason. You got it. Mark Duran on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Great stuff, man. Great, great, great stuff. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. 